Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone, that lots of other people feel in that way, and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Today on the Indo Daily, we're coming live from the National Ploughing Championships. Afternoon, everybody. We're just about to kick off a live episode of the Indo Daily podcast. And the topic today is, is rural Ireland forgotten about? Uh, we're going to have a good discussion. I have some cracking people with me on the panel. I'll introduce them to you now. So joining me is Matt is Matt Carthy, TD, Sinn Féin spokesperson on agriculture, food and marine. <laughs> Come on in, Matt, don't be shy. <laughs> Thank you very much, Matt. And then I have Peter Burke, TD, for Fine Gael, Minister of State for Local Government. Thank you, Peter. And then last... And not least is Fionan Sheehan, who is Ireland editor at the Irish Independent. Come on up. Go in here, please. Do you need to sit in the middle of the two of them there, Fionan? Yeah, I, I, should, I should point out that... I thought Peter was going to sit in the middle of us, Fionan. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> I sh- I should point out as well that there's a there's Westmeath representation uh, here, Tipperary here, Longford Westmeath, and Cavan Monaghan. So um, I don't think rural Ireland's being forgotten at all. This might be the fastest podcast uh, ever answered, folks. So just before we get started, I'll tell you a little bit about the Indo Daily. We're almost a year old. We started up uh, in November of last year, and the idea was to allow people to listen to the news. So basically, the news brought to you uh, by our range of newspapers, we've transformed them into podcasts, and we're we're telling you a story over the course of 20 minutes, um, six days a week. So uh, today's episode means that it will um, go out tomorrow morning, uh, as normal, but where you will get your, your first listen right now as we um, hope we give you all a very good discussion. So 
Why we wanted to really get stuck into this topic uh, was for a very good reason, that over two-thirds of Ireland's population live beyond the pale. So in theory, that means we should all get our fair share when it comes to, say, monies in the budget, infrastructure, transport, housing, dare I say it, broadband. I noticed today the broadband's going down a, a wee bit. But the, the, and, and the pandemic actually shone a light on the importance of living in rural Ireland because so many of us were reminded of just how lovely it is to be um, outside of the cities, especially when you're in lockdowns or you can't go very far. And just having that kind of uh, lovely air to breathe and no distractions. So... It is worthy of a conversation, and I'm going to ask my panelists now to um, basically uh, give me some kind of insight into the problems that they're uh, coming across in terms of, of rural living. What are the issues that people want, want answered? Um, but I, I'll just go to Peter first, because um, just in the last hour, Peter, Fine Gael has announced a ready-to-build scheme. Can you tell me a little bit about that? what that's all about, please? I can indeed. It was a key plank of our Fine Gael manifesto before we entered government was trying to achieve a position where you would have in towns and villages service sites available to the public. So there may be many reasons where someone wants to utilise those. If it's uh, someone who has been refused the one-off planning out in the rural area, that they would have an option of living within the village that's nearest to their functional area. And again, that has knock-on effects and keeping the butcher open, the local shop, the GA club, the extra teacher in the school, that feeds into really empowering local rural Ireland and encouraging more people in it. So that's a new mechanism in terms of having a funding budget behind it now, and it's now open for uh, applications. And, uh, and where are, what lands fall, fall into this? So the local authority can either do it on its own land, which may be serviced, the majority of it is, or secondly, it can purchase sites, service them, and then sell them to the public at a reduced price. Now, I'm looking at you, um, Matty, because housing is obviously a very huge issue for your constituents in, in Cavan, Monaghan. Is a scheme like this, now I know it's only just been announced, I'm not asking you to be an expert, does it sound like it could, it could work? It sounds like a great idea, and of course we want to reinvigorate our towns and villages um, across particularly rural counties. Here's the nub and the difficulty that the scheme is going to run into. Most local authorities, at least the good ones, have been trying their damnedest to source land because they have huge social housing lists as it stands and have been finding it incredibly difficult to do it. So I don't know what this scheme will have that will make it more um, accessible for local authorities to actually get access um, to that land. But there is a huge issue in terms of the failure to actually be able to provide people with what I consider to be you know a basic need that is the right to be able to live and rear your own family in the community that you yourself grew up in and for lots of reasons many people can't do that the primary one in most cases is because they can't get employment in the area in which they're qualified in their local area but the second is absolutely access to housing and three or four years ago we were talking about a housing crisis in the context of the cities 
that housing crisis has now reached every single community, both in terms of um, social housing, in terms of the shortage of rental accommodation, um, but also in terms of the ability for people to be able to build in their own communities as, as well. So there's a multifaceted housing crisis that's now gone into every tentacle of our society. And that that is um, an, an issue not just for, for rural Ireland, obviously, but I know what you're saying about wanting to, to live beside the family, be close to the family. And an awful lot of people, I mentioned the pandemic at the start, of this, an awful lot of people did actually move out of the cities because they thought, well, I can finally go home. I can finally maybe look to um, build a house beside mum and dad or down the road from the brother and sister. And it just hasn't really transpired that way, has it? I think it has. If you look at the draft census results, you would wonder from some of the public discourse where you hear that rural Ireland is dying on its feet. Yet it's the one that's growing and growing rapidly right across the country. Counties like Leitrim, you see double digit growth in some of the areas. So in Longford, in my own constituency, 15% uh, was an increase in the population. So I think it is growing, but we have to hive out the opportunity that was there within the worldwide pandemic. There has been a change in thinking of how we deliver services, how we work, with remote working being a key focus of that. We're aiming to get up to over 400 new hubs in place over the next five years. And that will be a huge support for families that can now realize that ambition of working in their locality and maybe only have to go to the office for one or two days a week. But wasn't there about two years where that could have been kind of figured out? Because I know at the moment, say, climate is a huge issue for everyone. And we're talking about this an awful lot. But then when you have, say, um, a minister suggesting people you know, swap out the cars for bicycles. That's good and well, but not if I live, you know, outside of a town or near a village. Well, I don't think you heard any Finnegal minister suggesting uh, that, for instance. So on the first, I would say that, you know, sometimes you need a big reset, a reset in thinking, and employers maybe needed that reset, and the pandemic provided that. I know coming from the world uh, where I was uh, an accountant before I went into politics, that it would be unheard of to let employees work away from the office, even if the facility was there, because people were worried productivity could reduce, they wouldn't keep their output up. But when the pandemic came, people realized that when people are provided with the conditions, they can excel at home and increase their productivity. And many businesses right across the economy have seen that, and they've also seen that growth in terms of their market share, record taxation coming in, even though many of their customers or their services were suppressed during the pandemic. Here's the problem. Um, during the pandemic, I suppose, for many people who returned home to work and when, during lockdown and when they were um, based in the home for five days a week, if they had access to broadband, and that's a big if for many areas, but if they had access to broadband, it was fairly easy. The challenge now is that people are either expected to return to the office or to the workplace on a full-time basis or even on a hybrid setting. And the, the difficulty then transpires as to how do you get to work? Because if you come from my town, for um, example, and probably most towns that anybody here is from, you can't get a bus to anywhere except maybe Dublin city centre at very limited times during the day. There are children in my parish who have to hop in their car every morning, their parents' car every morning, after a school bus has drove past their gates because they're denied access to school um, um, school transport. There are families I know who returned to parts, um, to their home rural communities during the pandemic who are now um, forced to move back because they can't get access to things like GP services in their community. So if, if we want, and I think it's a shared 
certainly rhetorical aspiration of everybody that we want to reinvigorate our rural communities, well then we have to be able to provide the same level of services, the same level of um, infrastructure and the same level of opportunities to people in rural communities and that hasn't been done and there has been a lack of ambition when it comes to many of our rural visions um, and, and, and policies and that you know, I think, I think there's an appetite to change that but it's far too slow. Just to, to add there, when you hear Matt saying here's the problem, we look for solutions. Anyone can identify problems. You can easily go down through a long list of frustrations, but I'm in the business of providing solutions. The National Broadband Plan was opposed tooth and nail by Sinn Féin and other parties within the current Dáil, and yet it's providing the lifeblood into so many businesses, so many households right across the country that will allow them realise the potential of working from home, even in farming and agribusiness, how much it has revolutionised the areas that we'll have better speed broadband in the most remote part of rural Ireland than you will have in Manhattan. That's some statement and as now, Ireland as a country. Come on, Peter. And the difficulty <laughs> is we're spending three billion euro on it and we won't actually own it when it's over. But whatever that's it not takes, correct. whatever it takes, that's whatever totally it, incorrect. that's actually quite a, quite an established fact at this stage. But in, ter in terms of broadband access, the, the big difficulty, because the government signed the contract, OK, so they're spending three billion euro. The difficulty is in terms of the rollout of it and those uh, many families who are actually going to be excluded from, from it because of technical um, issue, issues and difficulties. Um, but uh, you know, this isn't just I about setting out the problems. I think that's the problems. a Finnegale out there. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we need solutions. But the thing is, we have to ask where are those solutions going to come from. And I would argue they're going to come from within rural communities themselves, rather than for desk desktop exercises, which it appears this latest initiative from Finnegale has come from. It's a, looks good on paper, but when you actually get down to the ground and to the implementation, that's where we see the difficulties. I am. Um, I do think I should have put Fionnon sitting between um, uh, Peter and Matty now, but I will bring Fionnon in. Fionnon's uh, Ireland editor at the Irish Independent, and across all these issues, Fionnon, you know. So you, we hear from Matty the the issues he's facing. We hear from Peter that you know there is some there is work being done, progress being made, um, and you're sitting there now at your office in the Irish Independent and. What are the issues coming in front of you where rural Ireland is concerned? Well, I'm, I'm working from home like all the rest of the, everybody else uh, out there. And I suppose I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, have good solid broadband. If, if anything, from, from what the, both of them are right, the picture isn't actually as bad as is, as is sometimes presented. The current employment stats are, are quite clear when you look across the board, where six, seven years ago, we had quite blatant unemployment black spots in parts of the country. That rising tide has meant that pretty much across the board that we're seeing we're approaching full employment and the employment shortages are being reflected in both rural and, and urban areas alike. You only have to look at the, 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 the recent tourism to see that. Likewise, on, on, on the housing front, it's no longer just an urban issue, it is, is a, a, a rural one. The challenge, I suppose, is bringing together those, those different elements. If you look at what was effectively the big rural revolt of this summer, and that was AIB's decision to, to try uh, and, and closed down uh, 57 branches across the country, which would have left large tracts of areas uh, of the country with, with no bank branch. 
what that was actually about was just people saying, no, you can't on the one hand be telling us you want us to live in rural Ireland, you want us to be able to operate and function and, and work from here, and yet at the same time strip our services away. We have seen in recent years with the, the post office network that the diminution there has ended up with, with literally... Uh, black spots of communication where where people have seen that you could have several adjoining villages suddenly the, the post office closes and that forces people back uh, in, into the town centre so if anything what people are looking for is joined is joined up thinking the concern with AIB was that okay they'll go then the Bank of Ireland branch will go then suddenly you're in, you're in a town that only has the county town uh, as the financial capital as well as the administrative capital so that's the direction which which you go so what I think people are, are looking for is that there is a bit of a step back taken and it's decided right if we're if a post office is closing down within an area then there has to be a post office within five or seven kilometers of that so you're not pushed into the town likewise with with the banking system that just as people are switching bank accounts at the moment that they, they can they can do that uh, too quite easily if one bank decides to shut down that there is a guarantee of some sort, a, a kind of a social contract uh, between the government and the private sector that would tell them you will not end up in a town like this 30 miles from anywhere else without some sort of bank branch there. And, it, you know, when you look at this, it, it brings us on to... It, 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 I think it expands the discussion even further because we're talking about um, the people who, who really suffer in a lot of these things happening are elderly people. Uh, it's very unfortunate, you know. I mean, we're talking about the broadband earlier and for a lot of people, they rely on that kind of in-branch transaction. Um, I'm, I'm going to expand on this even further and talk about the fact that we have the budget next week and and all the while we're talking about this cost of living problem and for people living in rural Ireland um, things are a little bit um, different in terms of of where the pressure points are coming because we talk about f uh, diesel like petrol and, and and diesel for example but there's a huge reliance on that people need to fill their cars outside of outside of the city areas and that's the real gaping hole in terms of how the government have approached this if of all the sentiments and all the remarks that any government minister has ever said that initiated a response i don't think there was ever one like the day when the whole country was talking about rising fuel prices and what they meant and Eamon Ryan suggested that people should drive slower. Now maybe driving slower might make an impact on fuel consumptions but that's not the role of a minister. A minister is to provide support and I'll never forget the call that I got actually that evening while I was in my own car from a nurse who's living in County Monaghan, working in County Dublin and she rang me to say how there are events where she is driving home, literally holding her breath, looking at the fuel gauge, hoping that she makes it there in, um, in time because she didn't ha have money. But she indicated that she gets up at half five in the morning and her exact quote was, what effing time does Eamon Ryan want me to get up at? In order, So there, there is a perception that the government has been out of touch when dealing with the costs. And fuel is a big thing because, as I mentioned, there's no public transport options. So when government increased the carbon tax, for example, they're basically paying people more or charging people more for using the service for which they've no al al alternative. And um, likewise, many people in rural communities use home heating oil, not nowhere near the same level in urban centres. And um, government haven't done a single thing in relation to the cost of home heating oil. In fact, their most recent that, thing they did correct. was actually increase the carbon tax on home uh, home heating oil. Many people um, and many people listening to this podcast won't um, recognise 
that rural people actually pay a surcharge on their ESB bills. They're charged an additional stealth tax in terms of the standing charges on their electricity costs. There's no way that um, a company would get away with charging people um, extra because of you know, any other demographic, but they're allowed to do it be precisely because people happen to live in a part of the country that might make it more difficult to provide. So there's a lack of recognition there in terms of services. And then every public service, and I mentioned healthcare in terms of GPs, but also hospital service, whatever the service may be, there's an additional cost on rural dwellers because they have yeah. to travel, and that means that they have to if probably eat in. out and the additional fuel cost as well. And and Matty, I'll bring Peter in because Peter is Peter's is constituency is Longford Westmead, so yeah. he, he too is dealing with, well, with rural. What we've heard from people. Matt there is every single problem, but not one solution of what Sinn Fein would do to respond to that. But we have do, brought forward solutions to you, Peter, but you didn't. it's important to say that. Is your budget published yet? It will be, yes. It will be. Is it yet? We're five days out from the budget now, and you have your alternative budget published. Your Why? Budget. Why isn't your budget published? We have <laughs> it on budget day. If you want to scrutinise and say we are the party that want to go into government, if you're serious about it, you have a costed budget on the table now. You've run scared. You're publishing piecemeal bits since last Friday. Put it out there for everyone to look at. I want to make a well, few I can points. Tell you, I can, just I can, want to reassure Peter, you. you're going to be able to see our budget. I Unfortunately, the actions when? that your government have shown that when you're not going it? to be inclined to when introduce are we going any to see of it? the measures. So, Because every single action that well, I've mentioned the there... When are we going to see it? You're going to see it on Monday. Every single on the day before the budget, or maybe now, Friday actually. I could I, be wrong I would actually now, in terms for of people, the day that it's for people who are looking for scrutiny. Yeah. The white paper for the budget is going to be uh, issued on Friday. You're saying you're not going to issue your own alternative budget until Monday. On Friday, the day before I, the I think it could be Friday, no, Friday. actually. But, Bring it forward a few but here's days. the difficult. The here's, the, here's the difficult. I, I here's just the, wanna, here's I just because this is important. Keeps I just want to finish a few things here. Firstly, you're saying we're doing nothing for rural Ireland. In terms of reducing 4.5% of fat rate on energy, which we did, affects home heat and oil, rural areas, we reduced, and every single fill of diesel and petrol, you're saving 9 and 15 euros, respectively. That's rural people benefit from that. So the government did intervene. We increased fuel allowance by 55%, up to over 1,100 euros, again, looking after the most vulnerable. And we are standing ready in this budget. We've brought it forward to make a significant intervention. Matt gives out about the carbon tax, but he has no solution on how to transform our economy into a net zero carbon economy. Don't even publish the budgets behind the carbon budgets and how we're going to reduce the different sectors. Why? They're end scared. They don't want to take the hard decisions. They want to be populist at every... Uh, every hand's turn. And one thing I did notice today, he's obviously on commission for mentioning Eamon Ryan's name because you've mentioned it so many times here and not one solution from yourselves. Okay, I think I mentioned the aforementioned minister once, um, by the way. But the proof is in the pudding. Has anybody here noticed their fuel costs reducing because of any actions that this government have taken over the past 12 months? And um, Peter knows that on a consistent basis, we brought forward proposals, and we're in an emergency but time, we so we've taken, actually called... What price would, called, would diesel would be now if we hadn't taken intervention to reduce excise? But you didn't take enough intervention. My difficulty but, is that you haven't... But, but you're not telling the truth again, because <laughs> we're governed by the minimum okay. excise framework directive so in Europe. You can't unilaterally so reduce I, it. I will just bring Fionn on in here and, and let, let you two uh, just, just have a moment. And, um, I mean... Fiona, you know, there's valid valid points being made by both uh, parties here. Um, people are, are are kind of very concerned about this cost of living crisis, and we do have the budget next week, and we're all hoping there's something that will make it a little bit easier. Well, if you're living in urban Ireland, Sinn Féin's budget proposal is actually fantastic. They're going to cap your your uh, 
your energy bills at last year's level. But yet, if you're in rural Ireland and you're living off home heating oil, they're not going to cap those bills. They're looking at excise duty maybe doing something there. So, so fair play to, to Sinn Féin for p pumping so much more money into urban Ireland. That, that's great for, for us living above in, 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 in Dublin. My mother is down in the country with the home heating oil tank out the back. She filled it up in February, lads. That was the smart thing to do for, <laughs> for the prices went up even more. So I, I, was, I was kind of surprised to hear Matt bringing up the home heating oil because that's, that's the big uh, elephant in the room in terms of Sinn Féin's uh, policy. Now I'll have to have a dig at Peter as well and mention Eamon Ryan's name and Jesus, Peter, talk about rural proof and policy and Eamon Ryan wants to ban people from burning turf. Siobhan is a great turf burner. She's importing I, I it up from Westmead up to Dublin <laughs> next weekend if anybody wants a bag load. Get, getting the two bags at the weekend. Can I just clarify, um, people in rural communities use electricity as well, and I'm sure everyone here would be quite happy if their ESB bills were um, reduced to the levels that they were last year. And we do have proposals in relation to excise on home heat and oil. And but you know, but only, where are they? But again, the where only, are they? I mean, I was listening to Mary Lou McDonald like, last oh. week. She was asked, OK, but what about the 40% of houses in the country that home own home eating on it. Oh no, we're not capping that. So great job altogether. Double bonus for people in Dublin, less so if you're living down the country. It's absolutely a bonus for everybody who uses electricity. Um, every homeowner will see their bills reduced to the rate that they were at last year. In relation to home heating oil, we have been the only party that consistently in the Dáil have raised the fact that many families have been using home heating oil. And one of the challenges that we put to um, Eamon Ryan and to Peter Burke and to every other government minister when they're talking about banning solid fuels, they need to recognise that for most families, the only alternative to have the solid fuel heating is their home heating oil. So if you're serious about trying Publish to reduce the number, the number of um, households that are burning turf or coal, what you'd actually be doing is taking systematic measures to actually remove the excise on home heating oil, which is exactly what Sinn Féin have advocated for. It'll be great by next Tuesday, by the way. We'll have Matt's full budget. Yes. We'll bring him back again to go through it then at that point. As we do on an annual basis, and we're probably the only opposition party in the world that produces annually a fully uh, costed alternative budget. And it's not because we expect the government to take this measure. It, they like, will be see fair. it. Don't worry, when? Peter. They will see when? it. And when they see it, they will be able to compare and contrast the different approaches of an approach that puts more ordinary workers and families first versus uh, an approach of a government that have been too slow and... Um, far too minimal in their entire approach to the one for everyone in the audience approach that's your strategy well, actually Peter, Publish your budget. Peter can I ask you something because one of the issues that people are talking about is the massive profits that suppliers are making at the moment and so the rest of us you know are really feeling the pinch and we're worried about how we'll even pay our bills in the coming months um, you know is there going to be a very real and progressive pushback on these companies making what 40 million euros in six months i think you'll see more than a pushback you will see a significant intervention on behalf of the state you have to put these into two categories they're generation companies which are making huge profits they're supply companies which aren't because they're paying for the increased cost of gas so what we're doing is we're aligning ourselves with europe the uh, energy ministers had a conference and we're trying to get a united strategy whereby the state can intervene and have windfall taxes to extract some of those dividends out because we only can act in terms of by way of a state dividend for the state companies but obviously we have to have a wider taxation policy that will take you know, a huge proportion of those super profits and put them back into our economy. Because the key thing about this budget is that, you know, we're going to have to last the course. You know, Sinn Féin claims in their cap that they've said that it finishes on the end of February. 28th of February, 
you're out. Summer doesn't come then. The government has to really focus on getting to the end of the uh, winter period because you know so many vulnerable families up and down this country are going to face increased charges. We have to be there to try and subsidise those, but we have to get to the end, and that's the key point government is trying to uh, trying to ensure it can last that. But this time last year we were talking about a cost of living crisis as well. So we're a year on. I mean, can we can we genuine? Can you tell people in this room that? each and every one of us will benefit come next week. Absolutely. I think in terms of energy, there will be a wide package for households, for citizens and for businesses, which is key because even for our schools up and down the country, where you have so many voluntary boards of management trying to, you know, assess how much it's going to cost in filling up the oil tank or heating their school over the next year. It's the same with businesses. We did that through COVID. Why did we do it through COVID? Because we had the resources. It was a very difficult period that when Sinn Féin were coming up to 2019 saying, you know, it's raining out there, spend all your money. If we did that, we would wouldn't have had the capacity to put money into our economy. It's the same now. They wanted a, an emergency budget six months ago. If we had emptied the tank six months ago, we'd be in significant trouble now. Now we're going to intervene in a very significant way in an early budget and ensure people will be protected over the coming period. Matty, final word. Well, just in, in 2019, we were calling on the government to invest in housing, actually. And if we had done that, not only in 2019, but the decade beforehand, a lot of the cost of living crisis that people are sa- facing wouldn't be as acute because part of that is housing. Don't take my word for it. The Financial Times carried out an analysis of every country within the EU and um, Britain um, in terms of what government intervention has meant per individual um, um, citizen. Ireland was second from the bottom. This government have been far too slow to to act, and when they have acted, they've been far too minimal. This is an emergency. There are families, there are workers, there are businesses that will not survive until December if emergency actions aren't taken, and they need to be credible. It is no good just saying we're going to give every household another two or three hundred euro off their ESB bill if their ESB bill is increasing by four or five hundred euro over the same period of time. Okay, okay. Look, we'll leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Uh, Note to self next time. Definitely sit Fionnon in the middle. Um, I'm Siobhan Maguire. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Indo-Daily brought to you by the Irish Independent and for my guests, Peter Burke TD Minister of State for Local Government of Fine Gael, um, Matt Carty, TD Sinn Féin Spokesperson on Agriculture, Food and the Marine, and my wonderful colleague Fiona Sheen, <laughs> Ireland Editor of the Irish Independent. Today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll with Gavin Hennessy on sound. And you can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you.